I'm your host, Josh Buck. Call to follow me on Twitter at Josh U. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clock for Sports, website, clockforsports.com, and the email address is clockforsports at gmail.com. Uh, follow me also on Twitter at 30spod, Facebook page at 30spod, the number 30spod as well. Another exciting week of NFL Action Week 11 finally wrapped up with a thrilling game between the Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams. The Buccaneers falling 27-24. Tom Brady had a chance over two minutes. I think he had like 245. Left in the game to uh, be able to try to drive down and get a game-winning touchdown or at least a game-time field goal. And instead, he gave one of those what's really been a common occurrence this year uh, for quarterbacks is that falling back kind of punt throw where they're just putting up the prayer and, and it got picked off, it, rightly so, um, for the second time uh, in, in the same game by the Buccaneers defender. So it, it was not a good game for Brady. The offense, I saw it put on Twitter, and I think it's probably the best way to actually put it, is that there is no plan on that offense, right? They're just out there with their players trying to make some things happen. And if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, then they go back to the drawing board and they'll try it again. They, it's talent over process. And um, for all people who are trying to dunk on Brady for needing Bill Belichick, we've seen what's going on with the Patriots and how they just lost to the Texans. And we'll talk about that in a second because they're actually connected in a way with the game first game that we want to break down from the rest of the Week 11 slate. But – you see that it's, it's a mutual necessity here. Brady, it looks like a guy who, who could use some good scheming and definitely has the weapons around him. But, again, there's just no plan. There's no process to it. There's no there's no goal in mind other than, okay, we're going to get a touchdown because we're going to call these plays. Now, that might work in a video game, but doesn't it's not working for the offense. Um, the defense holds up. It, it, a lot of times it reminds me of what the Bears go through. Obviously, there's a lot more scoring going on offensively for uh, for the Buccaneers, but the defense is often put in precarious situations because the offense will turn the ball over quickly after a turnover. Um, they won't maintain drives for long stretches, things like that. And it's been especially noticeable in prime time where Brady has seemingly struggled the most. Um, we saw him struggle against the, the Raiders. Uh, we saw him struggle against the Bears. They lost against the Bears. They beat the Packers up. Um, and you just wonder, the Saints blew him out both times. You just wonder exactly what it is that's throwing him, um, because it simply just must be that there's no difference. When they get against those good teams, there's no difference there. Brady can't be the elevator anymore. He's not the difference maker anymore. He's kind of recessed into a middle-of-the-pack guy where he's still smart, but his body just doesn't seem to perform the way that we're used to seeing it, and it kind of is appalling sometimes. Again, some of the throws he made against the Buccaneers were just like, um, you know, what, 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 that, that's very Nick Foles-esque, honestly, to be quite frank with you. And it, it was disturbing, but kind of what you expect from somebody who's 42 and 42, 43? Damn, man's old, I forgot. He's in his 40s <laughs> from a quarterback in his 40s that is on the tail end and is dealing with not great protection uh, from his offensive line. So it wasn't a surprise to see it. Again, the Rams have a great defense. This is not a shock. But it was surprising to see the throws that he made when, especially the two, the, the picks weren't under great duress or at least 
they weren't great decisions still under the duress that he was under, regardless. And I think that's what stood out the most is that it's the decision making that's that's been so woeful. You could deal with some of the accuracy issues, some of the 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 waning arm strength if he was still being as smart with the football. Again, we talked about their transition from Jameis Winston to Brady being you're going to take a hit in some of those touchdown passes, sure, some of the athleticism, sure, but you're not going to give away possessions. And I mean, it's not the same rate. I guess that's a win, but damn it, they're critical. They've become so critical now, whereas Winston's would be a lot of times put you in the hole and then he'd have to dig you out. And that's why you have all the touchdown passes. Brady's Brady's getting you, keeping you competitive. And then at the end, killing you. That's those are back breakers. That's that's bad, man. You got to they got to figure that out, figure out some kind of a way. And I don't know if this is a left, which how much uh, Bruce Arians is still involved in the game planning and the scheme. I'm sure it's heavily. But I mean, how much autonomy does left, which have in terms of uh, game uh play calling and like I said planning for what's going on they got to figure that out that's too good of a team too talented of a team to be going out the way they go out every time they're under the bright lights every time it's sad that's not good can't can't have that man you got to do better than that we wanted the rest of the week 11 slate we talked about it a little bit I kind of hinted at it there was some sad news in the Bengals game against the Washington football team the Bengals lost that's not the sad news um, Joe Burrow, first overall pick of the NFL draft this past April, towards ACL. Um, and I, I wonder, and I know, like, I'm not moving on too quick. Let me just talk about it. The kid's having, he was having the rookie of the year season. Phenomenal career ahead of him. Says he'll be back towards ACL and his MCL, uh, revealing more damage than they initially thought. It looked bad. It looked, I don't know, for basketball fans out there, if you saw what happened to Yusuf Nurkic uh, when he broke his leg, that, that kind of, awkward fall where he just that's kind of what it looked like except for it with a tackler so it kind of made more sense than what you saw with Lurkic just because there was some force being applied in improper directions against Burrow um I have to wonder is this the Alex Smith curse look I know we celebrate Alex Smith coming back and we talked about how it's incredible that he can even think about stepping on the field let alone start a football game in the NFL but I have to wonder if this is some kind of a thing with him now because he was also present when Kyle Allen uh, hurt his knee, and I want to say I can't, I can't be a hundred percent certain, but I feel like, and I, I think he was around when Colt McCoy got injured when he hurt his knee last year, the year before, something like that. Like, I, there's, there's, there's a, a weird phenomenon we'll call it happening right now where Alex Smith seems to be in the vicinity of some very severe knee injury. Now granted, he, th- these are not the only injuries and you could say that probably for any number of players, but I think it's very significant that a player like Alex Smith has seen some of the more gruesome in- Kyle Allen's injury was kind of nasty looking. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's something, I'm just saying it's not nothing. <laughs> uh, Taysom Hill, quarterback. Listen, I was one of the harshest people on on the decision, and I still I'm a little skeptical of his overall ceiling at a, as quarterback. He's thirty; he's not going to get much better. I'm just not sure how good he actually is. So, with that being said, he showed that he could at least handle himself against what purports itself to be an NFL caliber defense. Now, the Falcons might not be great; they played better of late, but they're still not a great defense. Hill completed some good; he completed a ton of passes. Um, some decent yards, but he ran on all, ran in all of his scores, and they seem to have some issues 
on third down. And had some stretches uh, throughout the game as well where he just couldn't pick up the screen passes. He just couldn't hit Kamara routinely on screen passes. So there's limitations there. Schedule does get a little bit more interesting for him. Um, and so you have to keep an eye on that. Now, the one thing that I will say is that when Sean Payton said that there was no packages for Winston, he was dead ass. The, they had Hills uh, out wide at receiver in wildcat formations, though. Like, it wasn't, there wasn't a, a substitute quarterback. It still was Taysom Hill only as the only QB on the field. Now, if it stays that way, it remains to be seen. Like I said, they have some tough games coming up. Um, they still have Denver at Denver, which we just saw what they did to Miami. Now, granted, he's not Tua Tagovailoa, but it's at Denver. We know what the, the altitude does to people. They come back, or they go to Atlanta this time for so the second game in three weeks that they'll be facing the Falcons. So, if anything, he should be able to be okay now. And then they face Philly. Drew Brees should be around sometime around then. Maybe they face Kansas City without him, but I would imagine that Brees is trying to get back for that KC game uh, because of how important it will be in the Superdome, no less. So that would be an important one. But, again, Taysom Hill has, has I don't want to say proven me wrong, but it definitely gave me cause or pause because I was surprised and impressed by what I saw him go out there and do uh, on the football field this past Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons, who, good grief, man. Like, I get the defense having issues stopping him, but the offense couldn't get I they Matt Matt Ryan basically got the handoff from Cam Jordan and, and crew. Trey Hendrickson was all over him. Julio Jones went out with another injury. His hamstring, he's been bothering with that hamstring all year. Really it seems like his entire career has been one big injury. Um but Dude, like, the Falcons got to get something right. That's a blow-up. You got to blow that up. I don't know how you bring it back. You got to blow I told you, offseason, I would love to see the Patriots trade for Matt Ryan. I think that would benefit both sides. Bring Cam down to Atlanta and try to get some t- ticket sales there because you got to blow that thing up, man. Oh, that is awful. That is an atrocious team to have the skill that they've had, the talent that they've had over the years, and to be where they are now is just awful. Chase Claypool became the first wide receiver, I think, to uh, first with 10 touchdowns over his first 10 games. Congratulations to Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame, stud wide receiver, first with 10 touchdowns in 10 games to start his career. Pittsburgh has a real shot at going 16-0. And I know nobody wants to talk about it because it's unwritten rule. You just, oh, no, you don't, no, we don't do that, no. Oh, no, 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 no. They have three games left, okay? They're 10-0 right now, six games left. Half of those games have challenges, but they're all very winnable because they're more talented than any one of these other teams. This Thursday, they play the Baltimore Ravens. They should win that game. The Ravens will be out, be without their top two running backs due to COVID. And obviously, honestly, the Ravens just can't seem to figure it out lately. They just got let the Tennessee Titans come back from Derrick Henry with a truck and run in overtime to seal that one. Ravens look all out of sorts offensively. Again, they're going to be down two running backs as well offensively, too. You got the Colts, or I'm sorry, uh, the Bills in week 14. And that's in Buffalo, so anything can happen. They can definitely put up the points. I'm not sure that I trust the Buffalo Bills defense to stop the Steelers. Offense. I, again, Again, 
anything can happen. That's why you play the game, and it's in Orchard Park. Who knows what can happen? But damn it, if I that, that should be a W. Now the last one, this is the, the scariest one, is Week 16 against the Colts. Week 17 is scary too because you know they just came out and said Ben Ben actually came out and said that they're not playing for a perfect season. They're playing for a Super Bowl, not playing for 16 to no, playing for a Super Bowl. Um, week 16 against the Colts could be a problem because they could be fighting for their playoff uh, lives and, and and standings as well at that point in time. So who knows exactly what's going on. At that point, but there's a legitimate shot still, in my mind, that the Steelers are going 16 and 0. At worst, I think they're going 16 and 3, but I don't think they're going to lose this Thursday, so that'd be 14 and 2. Mm-hmm. And nah, I don't see the Colts pulling away. <laughs> I was going to say they, they maybe they pull away. We'll talk about what they did later on, but I don't see them pulling away. Talked about Derrick Henry having that run against Baltimore. Baltimore's got to figure out a way to diversify that offense. It's not going to be able to work with just Marquise Brown and, and Mark Andrews. I know they like to see. The problem is they're diversifying their running game and not their their passing game. The three-back system has not worked for them this year at all. Um, we've noticed whenever there's been Mark Ingram down or anybody's missed a game, that there's been an assurgence, a surge of production from the remaining guys in the, in the game. Simplify that, but add some more weapons to this offense, man. You got to get him somebody else to pass to. Right now, Hollywood Brown's a one-trick pony. Maybe that means going out and get a big-name offensive player as as you keep adding to this defense. I don't know what you would move for that to happen. Maybe one of those cornerbacks. I'm not sure, but you got to figure out some way for him for Lamar to have some more weapons. Weapons, weapons, weapons is the name of the game. He'll never advance as a passer if he doesn't. Think about this. Think about what he did as a passer last year without with, with Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews as his only receiving threats. Think about that. Just that's insane. It's insane. We would be we would be lamenting the fact that there was only and now you could go and say, Oh, Drew Brees, Drew Brees only has Alvin Kamara and um and Michael Thomas. Drew Brees has a much more diverse offensive system that allows him to, to find other Now, granted, he's a different kind of quarterback. He's a much better quarterback. I'm not going to argue that either. I'm just saying it's not – you got to give him some more weapons. Get Lamar some help, man. Give him some help. Matt Patricia fell uh, to the Carolina Panthers, who were starting P.J. Walker for the first time in his NFL career. Matt Patricia, while he was without Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift, did have a injured – Matthew Stafford out there, and I got to review the game film because I, dude, how do you? They got blanked. They didn't put up any points. Missed field goal by Matt Prater kept them off the scoreboard completely. Damn, Matt Patricia, dude, who Matt Patricia along with Adam Gates, who is now over ten, have to have nudes on who on Woody Johnson and the Ford family. Like there, there has to be some naked photos running around here, compromising situations because oh my gosh. I get maybe Gates is just following the program. Maybe that's just what they want. He's gonna be they're gonna be bad anyway. Why ruin somebody else's career? Let him go down with the ship. But Patricia? Fam going around acting arrogant and, and blasting, acting like he's done something outside of in the structure with of New England where they were all together and it works there when they're all together. You know, I th- and that reminds me, it's kind of similar to Joe Judge, the Giants on bye week this week. But Joe Judge, you're hearing a lot about his staff coming in and talking about how great they are and things of that nature. And really doing so at the expense, really to uh, deriding Tom Brady to do so. 
this is incredible stuff from the staff and the people that come out of it. But maybe that kind of shines a brighter light or a, a more positive light on guys like Romeo Cornell, Charlie Weiss. Who may, while it may not have worked, these don't sound like dicks. Like, that's you sound kind of dickish, bro. Now, it's football. This is machismo. I get it. There's, there's an alpha. This is an alpha male environment. Point blank, period. That's obnoxious, though. Like, all right, well, what have you done here? What did you do by yourself? What have you accomplished? You know what I mean? That, that's, that's, mm. Mm. Anyway, timeout for two. He got benched against the Denver Broncos, and this was really more for his own good than anything that he was doing. He was struggling. He hasn't been great uh, over the start. He's been okay. But more importantly, they could not protect him against the Broncos, who have found a pass rush despite the fact that they are without Von Miller for this season. Um, impressed. Again, that's why I talked about the uh, New Orleans next week going out there to Denver. You just never know. That altitude messes with people, and it just does things to teams that you just wouldn't expect. Miami's defense couldn't hold up. They've been solid for the past two weeks, and they just couldn't hold up against the Broncos and and Drew Locke getting it done enough. It was Melvin Gordon, but like it just doesn't make sense. When you look at it, you think about Mile High, man. Mile High. Marquez Valdez-Scantling fumbles the game in OT as the Packers fell to the Indianapolis Colts in a thriller of a game. I mean an absolute thriller uh, of a contest that honestly was one that was, it started off kind of looking like Green Bay was going to roll, but then somehow, some way, you saw the Colts snap back into reality, which is incredible because we've seen them do this for the past few weeks. Now, it started off, Rivers honestly was getting it done. They were winning games, but it just wasn't going to be enough. You could tell it wasn't going to be enough. But over his past six, and I wrote about this in the week 11, or I'm sorry, week 12 waiver wire for Clocker Sports, uh, Rivers has been dealing for the past few weeks. Ten touchdowns, three picks uh, over his last six weeks after, what, four and five the first five weeks. So uh, he's turned it around in a, in a big way, and they got that a, a very monstrosity of a win because, again, they were on the brink of looking like clowns for signing him and, and falling out of contention in the, in the AFC South. And now they're firmly in the driver's seat after the 34-31 win uh, over the Packers. Again, that had Valdez Scantling fumble the ball in overtime, giving them a chance at the game winner. It's it's impressive to see what they've done to turn it back around. Jonathan Taylor also had a good game after he's been struggling recently. He was coming back from an ankle injury, so that happens. But it's impressive to see them turn it around and stick with it. I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Frank Reich is a hell of a coach. Um in his steadiness, and I think maybe we're seeing the difference here in what was missing. What's missing in Philadelphia is the steadying factor of Frank Reich, and maybe we understate the abilities, the impact that he's had on the Jacoby Brissett. While he might not be a guy that you would think of as in terms of, oh, let's judge a, a coach based on this guy. You kind of have to look at what you've gotten out of quarterbacks that left New England, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is in a system that heavily protects him from his flaws, and he still decides to F up the church's money. Um, we go back in time. Ryan Mallett, the Brian Horries of the world, all those kind of guys. Horry had some moderate, moderate success, not even like some, some lukewarm, tepid glass water <laughs> success. And so Jacoby Brissett being able to maintain a, a, a position for an entire season, stick around even when they decided that he wasn't going to be good enough to be the starter. They still wanted to keep him as a backup. That's impressive. 
that's some impressive stuff, and it, it, it goes to show you that uh, I, you just yeah, that steadiness in, in, in Indianapolis is incredible. It's, it reminds me of, of New England because of how they're they're committed to what they believe in and they don't waver despite the not despite not getting uh, immediate returns, which we see far too often be determining factors in how organizations move. So. Uh, is there a book out on the Chiefs? Is this is there really a, a, a diagram on how to beat them? Have the Raiders kind of exposed them? Have the the Carolina Panthers kind of exposed them? Is it the running game? And who can really pull this off? I, I, I wonder because if the Raiders can't do it, the Titans can the Titans beat the Chiefs? I don't think so. We've seen this move and we know what happens. Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way. And if it comes down to your quarterback versus Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes wins 11 out of 10 times. He wins an extra time just for being Patrick Mahomes. So I'm not exactly sure that while there might be a book on the Chiefs, there's anybody that can truly take advantage of it uh, the way that they would need to to come away victorious uh, in an AFC Championship game, let alone the Super Bowl. I think we've finally seen him arrive, and this is going to be his time until he's no longer doing this, until... They have to start breaking this team up. You're probably not going to see uh, any sort of issues coming from, or any sort of shortcomings from this organiz- from this group because they're just that talented. They're that good. Like I, I'm, I, I want to compare them to the old Eagles, right? From from Reed's past, but they're so much better than that. So much more complete. So much more dynamic than that. And that's not underselling it at all because those Eagle teams were very dynamic. That's just how impactful the skill group of players is for this Chiefs team and how sound the defense has become. Now granted, I think that that Eagles team had a better defense, but this Chiefs offense is something I don't think we've seen since the greatest show on turf. And and I'm sure the numbers comparatively are probably better now, but I'm just talking about in terms of the the overall lasting impact of the game. Like greatest show on turf was like the next great system, right? This is just like a great player with some other great players around him, great some speed around him. I'm not sure that you're going to see like the, you would think the Ravens could do it with all their talent on defense and their sound run philosophy, but it hasn't worked out that way. And so you just wonder again, while there might be a book out on them, who can actually execute it? And I don't think there's many teams, if any. Switching gears over to the NBA. First off, let me just say, congratulations to Boogie Cousin, um, making his way back to the league. We just talked about last episode the news of Clay Thompson tearing his ACL. And the Warriors are doing their best to try to replace him. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, Boogie Cousins has gone through about every injury you can name of, think of in the past few years and has found his way back to a team he has signed with the Houston Rockets. Um, they also signed Christian Wood, which is another great signing. There are more leaves, and they immediately went for all the bigs. Mike D'Antoni leaves, and they immediately went for all the bigs. Let's talk about what it really is. Um, but Boogie... And reports are he won't be ready to play until after the All-Star break, I believe, at the soonest. Hopefully, he comes back at close to full strength because that'll just be a nice matchup. I just like I like seeing interesting pairings of players, and Cousins and James Harden are one of the most interesting I think I've ever seen. Offensively, at their peak, neither one has been matched in their position offensively. Um, they can do everything, and I think they're up there with the greatest of the greats. Defensively, there's some lacking in both of them. Um, some lack of try, 
Now, they go about it in different ways, obviously, than most anyway. And, of course, than each other. But that's obvious. But the the holes they create by not necessarily filling their, by not necessarily guarding their position properly. Boogie getting foul trouble. That could be an issue. And granted, you got Wood. But I'm just interested. He'll probably be the one that goes most. And Boogie, if anything, will be a, a off-the-bench piece to keep him healthy and fresh. Blah, blah, blah. But it's an interesting start to the, the Houston retool um, as they still have Harden and Russ. We'll see what happens. It's just, it's really an interesting um, situation right now down there in Houston. Again, we talked about how Fertito's actually looking to get out of uh, all these contracts to kind of take down the, the price tag that's going to be on this team. But it looks like they're just going to retool and try to build around what they have. I like it. Get some size back there with Russ. Get a size. Get some size with the guy who can shoot too. Boogie, if he can come back healthy, is a perfect compliment to what the for what they were trying to do with Russ. They wanted to get the guys out of the paint so Russ could kind of attack, and I get that. Um, Boogie is not a great shooter, but he can shoot, and he can still be on the floor to grab boards and be a presence. He's not gonna again not doing. He's not uh, rim protecting, but he can be a presence down low. I like it. Hopefully, he comes back healthy and can make it uh, make it something. Because who knows? Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan, my man's, <laughs> my man's. What is with all of this damn money? Paying like thirty eight million to Gordon Hayward this year, right? Because you got thirty million. He was going to make thirty four. Opted out. Recouped it to make thirty with the, with the with the Hornets. And then they got to pay $8 million a year for Batum over the next few years. $9 million a year for Batum over the next few years because they stretched him. You just replaced him with himself. I, Mike. Mike. Oh, my man. This is like, I don't understand what's happening. My man is allergic to, to being smart uh, in free agency and, and with paying out contracts. How is that, like $15 million, something like that? $17 million a year, fourteen something like that. It's in the teens. It's in the mid to high teens. Um, Batum, come on, man. <laughs> what the hell was that? Remember the Bismack Biombo stuff? Um, did I say Tyler Zeller? Cody Zeller. Uh, dude, I just, oh, man. Terry Rozier, who they were trying to get rid of. They drafted the mellow ball. They still got to try to get rid of it. Like, dude, what are you doing? Well, I don't, I just don't understand exactly what, what Mike's whole goal is with, with any of them. Honestly, you got, this is. This is the team-building version of what I think of the Buccaneers' offense, is that there's some things happening, but there's not really any semblance of a plan. You're just assembling pieces and putting them out there and seeing what comes of it. I don't know, man. I don't know. Rumors are that the Clippers are interested in Rozier, so we'll see what happens with that, but they haven't made a move yet, and he's still there. I, Mike. <laughs> it's just, it's funny. Somebody put out the graphic, LeBron's a better team builder than Mike is, and it's not even his job yet. And I was like, well, damn, I can't even argue with that one. Like, if we're if if, if we're putting money on it, right, and you're going to guarantee me that at some point LeBron's going to become an owner, I would say that LeBron's team would probably win a championship before Mike's team does. I don't even have a qualm about arguing that. I would argue that point. Not just say it, I will argue that point. Yeah, fam. That's rough. 
Mike, man, you gotta get it together, bro. You gotta, you gotta, we gotta figure it out. I don't know what we gotta do, we gotta figure it out. In other news, the uh, Detroit Pistons are trying to become the New York Knicks 2.0. They got all types of forwards in this one, but I, I'm really trying to, you know, razz them so I could talk up two of their draft picks that they got. Uh, Sadiq Bay out of Villanova. I talked about him last week and one of my favorite players in the draft. Um, they got him by a trade who was originally picked by the Brooklyn Nets. And then they also got um, Killian Hayes, and that's just, dude, they're out here. I like both of those picks for their future, but they got a ton of forwards. Jeremy Grant, you still got Blake there. Um, they got rid of Luke Kennard. They brought in Landry Shamit. I, I, I don't know what they're doing. Like, again, what is your plan? You're just moving pieces, shifting stuff around. They still got some uh, uh, Dumboya there. We'll see. <laughs> this is all you can say is we'll see what the Pistons, what they have. But it's just, they're going to take a step back if you ask me. I don't know. Rose, free Derrick Rose, man. Free Derrick Rose. That's all I'm saying. Free my boy. Free the fam. Send him back to the shot. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked, and I'll talk about the Bulls in a moment. Because I'm actually pretty pleased, pretty pleased with the Bulls and disappointed in myself. We'll talk about that shortly. Uh, Sam Preston, Darren Moore made a trade. The trade involved Danny Green and Al Horford, two of the worst contracts in the NBA, two of the most, I won't say useless, but two of the most living off of their reputation as players in the NBA today. Um, Green went along with Terrence Ferguson to the Sixers, while Horford went to OKC as Preston continues to hoard first-round picks, building for 2058. Um, what we see here, though, what listen, I don't know how much run Green is going to get in Philly. He can still shoot some, 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 but he better not be getting a lot of t- a lot of time, and he better not be counted on to defend a soul because that ain't happening. And I'm not sure how much you want to have him out there with Ben Simmons anyway because, damn it, the houses those two would build would be disgusting. They, want, they wouldn't be pretty. They wouldn't be nice, livable homes. They'd be dilapidated. Come on, now you got to do better than that. <laughs> Can't have that out there. But we have to... Uh, discuss it anytime the Presti and Maury make a trade because that's just you know like they were waiting to do this right they had that been like I know Presti was watching Houston make all their moves and thinking about himself like damn it Daryl Maury and me got some deals to work out sometime in the future and then that day came and he was like mother <laughs> he pressed the send trade button so quick he offered that I'm telling you you know it you just know it two active guys and Maury has done wonders with revamping uh, this Philly office. We'll talk about that next episode and what I like about what they're doing and their chances. Because again, remember that was my pick to reach the NBA uh, Eastern Conference Finals last well, this past uh, postseason, but injury to Ben Simmons knocked that all but off the, the table. So yeah, I we had to talk about it. Preston Moore made a deal, and I just had to talk about it. That's right. Oh, switching over to the. West Coast, the Lakers are having a far greater offseason than the Clippers. And it's not even a competition, or not even a question. Lakers obviously defending champions, and so they were already starting to have a better potent, having, starting from a better place as it is. But then you think about the fact that they stole Montrez Harrell because he feels disrespected, came out saying that if he was still wanted by the Clippers, he would be there right now, and obviously they don't want him because he's on the other side, and blah, blah, blah. He's been crying the whole time, and I, I don't know what kind of, listen, Harrell came in and maybe it's because LeBron, so I, I'll, 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 t- I'll temper my statement by saying that. But he was talking about, he was one of the people who people know were saying that he didn't appreciate the way that there was star treatment for Kawhi and Paul George. The 
uh, load management stuff was kind of irksome to, to most on the roster, to some on the roster. People took that to be Montrez, Lou Williams, and Pep Beverly. Well, Harold's now gone, still chirping. He was talking about there's some issues in that locker room and chemistry and stuff. And well, I think we kind of know now exactly who was doing what. They also added Dennis Schroeder, though. They brought back Morris. Or you just wonder, though, because people talk about the Harold thing, right? So Harold, even the Clippers, Harold on the Clippers was not gonna be great because that team needs rim protection and he can't offer that. And he had to do—I don't say too much because he couldn't do it. He couldn't protect the rim, and he wasn't defensive. He was a defensive liability, honestly, with bigs. So, on the Lakers, though, he gets to be protected because he has Anthony Davis. Dwight's now in Philly, but you got Anthony Davis there, so he'll be starting at the 5. Unless, of course, you know, he really hates it, but I, he's got to get over that, man. Unless they're going to put Harold there, and and, and even still, if, whatever. Regardless of how it works, if you got AD and Harold on the floor, AD can protect the paint. That's my point. Offensively, Harold's just giving you energy, man. He's getting bored. He's out there working, guys. He's agitating people. He's hustling on Bolton for loose balls and stuff. Saving AD some of the bumps and bruises that... Bumps and bruises. Bumps and bruises that we saw him take uh, over the course of the postseason. So, a smart signing on Harold. Smart signing on, on Schroeder, a point guard who can, who can score, shoot, handle the ball, run the offense. Not as smart as Rondo, obviously, but he's going to be able to make more plays, I think, than... Uh, a guy like Caruso and shoot better than a guy like Rondo, even though Rondo was lights out basically in the, in the postseason, in the finals at least. The Clippers, on the other hand, oh, I almost forgot. The Lakers also brought in Mark Gasol because, like, why not? You've had one Gasol, you've had them all, right? The, they became the first brothers <laughs> to play for the Lakers uh, in history. That's an awesome accomplishment for both of them and significant because the Lakers look like favorites again to repeat in my estimations here. The Clippers, to their credit to their, on their end, added Serge Ibaka um, and Luke Kennard. Uh, there's not much that they could do. They're kind of strapped as it is. Not really a fan. I like Serge, but unless their chemistry is figured out, they're going to end up the same exact way. Now, maybe they get the year together, now they can work it out and stuff, but we saw their best players kind of shrink in the, in the worst times, and the, the, the winning team added pieces. The winning team got better without getting rid of Kyle Kuzma, without getting rid of a, a, a Taylor Horton Tucker, without getting rid of an Alex Caruso. Like, damn. Not going to be good, fam. Sorry, Clippers. He's going to be stuck in anonymity and might be at risk of losing Kawhi and Paul George. Damn. You hate to see it. The New Orleans Pelicans land and extend Stephen Adams traded for him from the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder as Sam Presti continues to add draft picks loading up for 2058. My man is out here getting all the draft picks, man. Um, the extension was a surprise. People expected him to get it, but now the extension runs all the way through um, and it's fully guaranteed $32 million for another two years on that deal. You love it. I love it. Size, um, Zion Williamson can't defend right now. You really don't want him to defend. You want to try to let him, again, save wear and tear on his body and be the offensive dynamo that he is. Adams is not only a great defender, 
He's a great rebounder, and he's a he's an enforcer. Let's not be let, seven feet tall with what sixteen siblings, or he is the the sixteen, whatever one of sixteen kids. It's a tough dude. All right, <laughs> you're not gonna mess with him on any given moment. So love that for New Orleans. Love that for uh, Adams and him getting out of uh, OKC and OKC continuing. Like I said, with that rebuild, this is good. I can't wait to see what they turn this into because there is just they got like I think. They damn near got to have some one of every team's picks in the NBA at this point. That's crazy what they've done. Fred Van Vliet lands the largest contract for an undrafted player out of local Rockford. That's right, local Rockford out here in Illinois. Freddie Van Vliet won a championship with the uh, Toronto Raptors and turned himself into he, – he famously tweeted out, bet on yourself, um, and now has found himself to be $85 million richer. Going back to the Toronto, and it's funny because we talked about how he could actually be gotten at a discount by the Raptors because of the fact that there wouldn't be a lot of money in his postseason, which, by the way, we've seen some pretty hefty spending regardless of whether or not there was a lot of it, right? We've seen some some sizable chunks, even if every team didn't get involved. It seems still like there were a lot of teams, too, but whatever. And I really think that what happened was Toronto, while it realized that they could get him cheaper because nobody's going to pay him. They also realized that they could solve or save themselves a headache down the road of him demanding out if things don't work out the right way by paying him a hefty, uh, a handsome wage. Love it. Love to see it. Um, a guy who's earned it again, grinded, undrafted player out of Wichita State from local Rockford man. Can't hate on that, not one bit. Uh, other extensions around the NBA, Jason Tatum on his rookie deal extended 195 million of them things. He's earned it as well, worked his way up from the third overall pick. Um, Ballin', Hooper, straight-up Hooper, a guy who came out complete and has only gotten better. So that's impressive to see, and he'll only continue to rise. We'll see what he can do um, in the coming postseason. I hope that I hope that whatever Boston does, they keep he and Jalen Brown together. Do not break those two up. They are a dynamic duo, and you would do well to keep them around. The... Postseason or the offseason has been torrential. I mean, just a, a downpour of moves, and I've I've hated on my my Bulls moves. I've come around the corner. They've done what I've asked for them, and I'll explain that a little bit more um, in an article pivoting these that should come out sometime on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, but also, I want to talk about one that's going to be coming out for Clock of Sports. The offseasons that I've loved, hated so far. Five loves will be coming out first, and I'll do the five hates and why I hate them later on. Uh, my, my favorite, personal favorite. These aren't, this is not the way the list is ranked. The list is ranked in the five best, in my opinion. My personal favorite. I know it sounds confused, but you'll get it when I explain it. And I'll, cause I'm going to I'm going to uh, denote it in the article. My favorite one is Portland. Adding uh, Robert Covington, uh, Rodney Hood coming back, return of Ennis Cantor, Harry Giles addition. I, I love it. I love it. I love the size that they added. I love the fact that they brought in Robert Covington because a 3 and D wing is what I've been praying for them to get ever since they lost Mo Harkless. And damn it, they did it. <laughs> damn it, they pulled it off. you love to see stuff like this, man. Hopefully it, it works out for everybody involved because, again, they made moves. I like every player that I just talked about. Every single one of those guys is great. Hood is, is I. <laughs> but I, I really like Robert Covington. And I... Uh, Especially like Harry Giles' potential if he could stay healthy. But Cantor is a helpful piece. And Hood is a helpful piece as well. Let me not I'm not I'm just playing when I say that I I just like this. Boring game, but I like he can he can do a little bit of everything too. 
That's not my top ranked off season though. We'll talk about what that is if you gotta check that out on clockersports.com to find out. That's gonna do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, the website, clockersports.com, the email address, clockersports at gmail.com. Of course, read the stuff, last one for football, pivotingeasy.com, and clockersports.com. Until the very next time, you already know what it is, man. I'm gone.